Rayman Digital on the air through 2020 by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. Blimey. This is one out of a jam guy, buddy. The House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. Hello, welcome everyone to the House of Mystery, the John Constantine and Friends podcast, exclusive to Rain Man Digital. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Just search House of Mystery. I'm in the House of Mystery, naked today. (laughs) We're all in quarantine, so hashtag stay home. Why why do you have to be naked? (laughs) Well, when I'm at home, that's just the default mode. Oh, yeah. And because I can't leave anywhere, I'm like, why do you even get dressed at this point? <laughs> you know, I haven't shaved my balls in about two or three weeks. Oh, I thought you were wearing boxers for a second. Yeah. And the night nurse are, and she's starting to complain. So I better. <laughs> you got to clean up down there. Yeah. Jesus. I don't know why you're blowing out lately. Check, check. Mike one, two is it probably because I have been drinking kombucha and, you know, trying to clean myself up. Throw my hair out, maybe get a man bun. Really? <laughs> Got is, that, is that where is that is that the new form of midlife crisis? Would you be surprised? <laughs> I mean, it used to be, you know, you grow your hair out, maybe get a hot girlfriend with big old boobs, drive a Harley. Now it's what? Get a man bun. Man bun. Drink some green juice. Yeah, and do some yoga. Yoga. Yoga's a big thing. Become bisexual. <laughs> yeah, that's the new thing now that's, that's the, the new, new midlife thing. crisis maneuver <laughs> yeah it doesn't sound so bad i mean if you're bisexual and you have um you know hotness around you then why not it sounds cheaper what'd you say it, it, it sounds cheaper i mean you think about it you have to buy the buy the really expensive car spend money on a really expensive girlfriend that's true yeah you know you can save a few <laughs> bucks by sleeping on Compost beds and drinking green juice. And it's good for the environment. That's true. Yeah. All right. So we're <laughs> going to be talking about John Constantine Hellblazer number five, Scrubbing Up Part Two, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Matthias Vergara, and covered by John Paul Leon. Uh, the continuation story that kind of focuses on the hipster douche, Tommy Willowtree, as we were alluding to. Uh, this issue was filled with clever quips and funny moments but we were also dealing with the bigger story in fact we got a lot in the way of story more than i had even expected due to this willow tree story arc part of me had thought this was gonna be like a little bit of a filler story which we do get those from time to time and because of the way they started in scrubbing up part one i was like okay this is just gonna be kind of a fun little break from the bigger story but a bigger story but it turns out this ends up being a very big part of the bigger story did you see that coming no i did not especially when we get to that ending and basically i thought they were going to step away from the 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 bigger story that we got introduced to since the very beginning but actually realizing everything in that 
this two-parter dealt with mm-hmm. still ties into John becoming a better person. Right. Quote, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes, it was a really great turn. And, and I did not expect it at all. I was just thinking we'd still get like a goofy story about him and Tommy's adventures. Tommy would become his pseudo sidekick of some sort. And in a way he did by the end, Tommy became uh, kind of like a, a sidekick to him. But in a lot of ways, everything else or that was go that the story dealt with was all about John dealing with the fact that everything he knows in the past is pretty much been thrown in the trash and he has to start from bottom up, build himself up into what we think or what old man Constantine wants to him to become a better version of himself. Yeah. And you know, you make it sound so nice because I was struggling a bit with just how asinine willow tree is not in this issue. Maybe the first couple pages. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I think that that's the whole point. Absolutely. Especially now. And you had said that in the last issue. And I knew, you know, Spurrier wasn't going to make this character and make him out to be such a jackass. And he's for no reason. I mean, there's there's a point to all of this. And, you know, I mean, he borders on being dull. I mean, can someone really be this clueless? And yes, he, they can. I, he's naive. I think he's a little more than naive. He comes off as a bit of a stooge. How can you not? And I know at the end he says, listen, I know I'm not dumb. I know you don't like me. I'm like, but dude, you are so stupid. Yeah. Well, if you think about too, I mean, the way that Tommy got introduced to magic, essentially he, he got played by uh, certain characters that I was really surprised they brought back and kind of explained how Tommy got his magic. And while to Tommy, it felt so grandiose and, and fantastic and epic in actuality, he got played. He absolutely just got played by people that are in the Constantine in the Hellblazer universe. And for me, it all came together. I mean, Tommy is this symbol of naivete that, does not belong in a Hellblazer comic. And this is what happens when those characters are introduced to a Hellblazer comic. That's why it's one of those reasons why I can't see characters like Superman showing up in Hellblazer. Why? Because there's a certain innocence, naivete to those characters that they cannot, they're going to get used and punished in, in this type of world that is Constantine. But it goes into line where Clarice mentioned to John is like, hey, listen, we all know everyone that enters your life gets fucked one way or another. So, yeah, so so this is on John. Yeah. Even when he's missing, because even when he's missing, because Willowtree, you know, said he had one of his nuts bit off by a gremlin. (laughs) I mean, the poor guy was doing God's work. He was doing what he thought was God's work. Yeah. And he got his balls bit off. Hey, man, but duty's duty, right? Dude, that guy is such an asshole. <laughs> sexual orgown. Is that what you said? Sexual yeah. orgown ener- energy? energy. He, that, that none of it was used up, so. I kind of hope he dies. <laughs> as long as the death means something. 
it pushes the story forward because I was actually celebrating when he got nailed to the counter. I was like, good. And, and the most messed up part is coming to realize that the person that nailed him and basically tortured him essentially is old man Constantine. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, you bring up tons of good stuff because despite what we, what might have seemed like a distraction with this willow tree character, it all ended up tying into the bigger story, potentially why Constantine was saved and brought back to this time in the first place, which Constantine was able to put it together once he got his head straight and he quit trying to compete with douche willow tree. Yes. So through John, we find out that someone within the local occult community had basically propped up Tommy with this grandiose story so they can escape leaving a novice to fend off potential evil within London, which as we know, it ends up being Sackville. Also, it was a way to bait Constantine to, to return from wherever he had gone again to everyone else. He just disappeared. Yes. No one really knew where he had went and knowing he'd not want Tommy to get all the kudos for saving everyone. That's why he was used as bait as well. And that's a, that's kind of what guy have kicked into gear. He's all because Sackville was like, listen, I know you better than to, to than just to assume that an innocent life would motivate you. They'll know, but even more so if he is to defeat this evil and you don't, and, and you then don't. suddenly you just see that one panel where he's, it's almost like an, Oh shit face. Like you're right. Yeah. Because there is one way to strike at Constantine. It's his ego. His ego. And I don't think it's not, it's not that he doesn't care about that, that one human life, but it, it, listen, he struggles. He struggles with that ego. Oh yeah. So it was, it was a fun little moment. So the people involved in this masquerade are Clarice Sackville yes. and Ken on, on da, on date on date. Is that how you say his name? And she referred to him as map, which map. is his, his yeah. name. And both of them, both of them are classic Hellblazer characters. Yeah. And I was like really surprised that the way they the way they introduced them, but also kind of writ off one of them, really, really get kind of like it seems odd. But the more I thought about it, and then when I read it a second time, it ties so much into like, hey, John's been gone for so long. This is what he missed, and in a lot of ways, they the whole world blames Constantine. Like Clarice at this point goes is like, yeah, we, we, we came up with this ruse to try to get you out of wherever you want, where, where you were. And at the same time, Matt died while you were gone. Thanks. And, and, and I'm like going, wait. And, and when I first read that, I was like, wait a minute, maps dead. And if, if like classic Hellblazer fans know Clarice and map from like uh, the very first renditions of Hellblazer from Vertigo run, and I believe 1999, I believe. And, and yeah. we'll get into their background in a moment. Yeah. And Map was one of the characters that John really called for help a couple times. Yeah. They were well-known former allies of Constantine. Yeah. And then just to all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, Map died. It, it almost like it's the same type of, of type of quote unquote emotion or pain as a fan that you get that I got when when Constantine had to deal with Chaz. It's like, wow, shit, all of his friends and all the people that did believe in him, are they're all gone. 
And yeah. well, I, it's all and the the messed up part that I find about this whole thing with Clarice, Clarice makes it sound like it's Constantine's fault. But the more I think about it, I'm like going, how is this John's fault? I, I didn't get that she thought that it was his fault. I feel like she's putting it all on him in yeah. in the sense that, hey, hey, we left. You take care of it. Because they're afraid. And the idea that something really big was happening, something that terrified Sackville enough to essentially abandon her home and any responsibility she may have within the the, the occult community and she fled to the United and States. Fled. And then she mentioned it that it was it was then she mentioned it wasn't the usual end of the world type stuff. Because how do you evoke terror and you know fear into characters that deal with apocalyptic type problems on a daily basis? <laughs> well, listen, it's so bad, I just gave up. I ran away. Or it can't get me. And she mentions that it's an abomination under parliament, a nation raped by pride, a hungry void murdering magi, and the one true death of John Constantine. And she says it was all foreseen. This part is interesting because it ties right back into the political aspect of a previous issue. If you remember, and we had been waiting for this to circle back and it's becoming more and more obvious that old man Constantine would appear to be directly involved with these events and the abomination. Yeah. Whether or not he is the villain, I still think it remains to be seen. But what if old man Constantine not having a soul, right, is actually working to stop whatever is happening and is not the actual baddie of the story. That would that would be an interesting twist. But the thing is, it's too like, obvious right now. It's too do, obvious. Do you think they would reveal that old man Constantine is the big bad of the story, and we're at five issues in? It seems it seems like it's going that way. But yeah, you're right. It's too on on the nose. And honestly, if Clarice was right, and this there's something bigger and more badder that is coming, an old version of all powerful Constantine is not going to scare Clarice. <laughs> no, it's it not. It's, it's not. And he may be responsible for something. I'm not saying he's not. He could be responsible for opening up, you know, hell's door, just, you know, as a figure of speech, something. And now he's trying to rectify it and fix it. And again, him not having a soul would justify his actions. And be, because he's doing things that, you know, you got to remember, he's still Constantine. Constantine does a lot of questionable things, but he does have his soul. And because of that, that keeps him for the most part on the straight and narrow, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now you're dealing with a character who doesn't have a soul. There's there's nothing right. There is no moral compass. So, yes, his actions would appear to be nefarious. But again, perhaps they are the actions of a man that has no conscience, no soul. But he is working to stop potentially. Potentially. Yes, save the world, but I would say, again, no soul, right? Yeah. We already know Constantine struggles a bit with selfishness. What if he's trying to potentially stop his one true death? His one true death, yeah. So, yes, he's not the bad guy of this story, 
but he's also a version of a bad guy. He's still doing bad things, but he's not going to be the person that Constantine's going to have to go up against. After after this uh, issue came out, there was a fan that came up with an interesting theory oh. that I wanted to pass by you, and I actually wrote it on my notes. Mm-hmm. Old Man Constantine. What if Old Man Constantine is the new 52 version of Constantine? Hmm. Because here's the thing. Do you is, think they're really going to mesh, though? Do you think that's what Spurrier wants to do? Th- well, think about, like, the uh, they brought up uh, in his thoughts and uh, in his blog, he brought up the fact that in the very first issue, Constantine brings up, brings up the fact, oh, has there been many versions of me? You know, and then we see all the pictures of like, right. the different types of Constantine. That's true. Yeah. The only but one the different we, versions we didn't see was we didn't see the new 52. We didn't see the new new 52. Mm-hmm. And the biggest question that he brought up was we never really had a explanation of what the, well, where was the new 52 Constantine? If you think about it, I don't think it matters because this isn't the same universe. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the new 52 Constantine can't be jumping all over the place. Sure, you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, but why do that? The purpose of this, this issue, the purpose of the Sandman presents Hellblazer is that we're trying to get away from, from new 52, from the grandiose scenarios, the things that weren't really a part of Constantine and tell the new 52, the super, the superhero stuff, the superhero stuff. You remember even the very first issue, issue zero, uh, he had said something about this big stuff. Isn't me. And it was kind of a slight, kind of a dirty dig, a jab to the new 52. Yes. So I don't see him doing it. It's an interesting thought. And honestly, with comic books, anything's possible. Anything's possible. And I would like to see a connection, but I don't know if I want to see that connection in this series. In this series? It would be kind of cool to have that connection within our regular DC continuity. Well, maybe that's wrong. I shouldn't say regular DC continuity because people are going to like tweet me and be like, it's all DC continuity. (laughs) 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 But you know what I mean. Yes. So I'm not opposed to it. I just don't know if I, if we finally got back a vertigo version of John, do we really want to start bringing in this superhero stuff? The superhero over the top superhero stuff. And that's true. It's a, it's a very, it's a very interesting thought that if Spurrier is going that way, God, I hope he could, if he pulls it off, he could do the one thing that no other Vertigo writer has been able to do. Yeah. And listen, we know that superhero stuff can very much. could definitely work within these types of stories. It, Vertigo has had them. But. I think because they're starting this new series and they promoted it, various different press releases was, hey, you know, we're kind of bringing it back to small scale. I just don't see them reintroducing that type of stuff so soon yeah so but let's get back to old man constantine because he is definitely the big question mark right at this point even more so especially when you get to that ending and you're like going what the hell was that all about right so again remembering that old man constantine brought constantine this version of constantine through time Going right back to soulless decisions, old man Constantine's actions 
that we have been privy to so far seem to be more about motivating Constantine into action. If you think about it, the dream when he's just laying there being a bum, a better version of you. It wakes him up, spurs him into action, and then physically assaulting Tommy. Why would he do that? Other than to create sympathy for Tommy, knowing that Constantine doesn't like him, but then seeing him that way and possibly knowing that John would blame himself. Because John is the type of person to take guilt. Right. (laughs) So it seems like he's doing things that are just simply motivating him into action, making sure he's staying on the path that he wants him to stay on. Well, I mean, even take a look at like the people that old man Constantine seems to affect, in particular with this issue. I mean, I can't remember the the guy's name, but the guy that he ends up. Barry. Yeah, Barry. The guy that he ends up, quote unquote, enlisting is a guy that basically Constantine slighted in his past. And in a way, it almost feels like old man Constantine's like, okay, I'm going to fix you so you can help me. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's just, I mean, talk about the writing for a second. That's just a great thing to do. I mean. Superior being the writer he is, not letting anything slip through the cracks. Yeah, he's not letting anything go to waste. But yeah, he's not just introducing things and then they don't matter. Anything he brings into, let's say, issue one, two, or three, it's going to pay off eventually. Everyone has a point, and now it looks like Barry will be used in a bigger way. Why else would old man Constantine do what he did? That Barry character is a loser, though. I mean, a low-grade wannabe. (laughs) Didn't he have a book that said Magic for Beginners? Magic for Beginners, Did I see that correctly? Yes, you did. And and the fact that he's been using shite demons, it just is like the most lowly, as John put it, it's the most lowly creature you could have actually summoned. (laughs) Now, was it in a bucket? Does that mean he was using his own shit? Yes, he was. What an idiot. I love I love this comic book, dude. Oh, I love these stories. They're so good. Oh, the characters are just freaking hilarious. This comp, this issue, this particular issue might be one of the funniest. Yes. It had some of the best Constantine lines. I and mean, when uh, Willow Tree handed him a green drink, he's all, didn't this just come out of me? I was like, <laughs> I was like this is amazing. I love it. I know. It, it worked. I mean, we had, me and you had our, our, reservations about this two-parter but i have to say spurrier and uh uh the artist for the two-parter absolutely hit their beats perfectly you know they they knew where they were going and you kind of kind of you start to see towards the probably the midpoint of this issue they started returning back to kind of like that type of storytelling and and dark art that we saw in the first three, the first three issues. So I was really surprised that I'll, before we got to this two-parter, I remember telling you, oh, this is going to be like a standalone. It has to be a standalone because they switched artists. Yep, and yet it wasn't. And yet it wasn't. It, it's Springer great. found a way to tie it back in. Yeah, I'm happy about that, most definitely. Uh, but it seems like there are going to be Two threats, at least at this point. 
We have the abomination that they mentioned, which could be old man Constantine, but at this point, it seems like it's too obvious, oh, right? It's too we obvious. can agree. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of threats out there that basically. You but I could... mean, the immediate. I'm talking about immediate for this story. Yes, there could be multiple threats because one major threat could just open up the door for countless dozens. Look how this this look how the series started off. Yeah. So, but potentially the soulless old man version of John could still be a different type of threat, something more personal. Maybe there will be a decision that has to be made, a moral dilemma. You know, one side, save the world or the people, and on the other side, save yourself. Because it seems like he's being groomed a bit, uh, especially after old man Constantine's actions in this issue, motivating him, enlisting people. I'm sure old man Constantine, what, whether he be the main threat or not, He's more than likely acting on self-preservation and is not doing any of this for the good of the world. No, no. Uh, he's absolutely out for himself. Yeah, you, you have that feeling that, no, he's not out for the good of the world. He's out for the, for himself. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to say he is going to be good. I'm just saying he might not be the bad guy. I'm curious to know if... Because we started off this with the whole point where Constantine was dying at the hands of uh, Tim. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's Tim because in all of, in all of the Sandman universe and all of Vertigo, Tim's the one that basically everyone says, Oh no, he's the one that goes evil. Well, I'm not up to date on the books of magic series that's running in parallel with this series. Is there a chance that he is, Going dark side? When are they? Or do you think they're? Are they working towards that story again? I think so. I mean, especially in Books of Magic fourteen, the one that we were going to cover, right. where Constantine jumps over, you still get a sense that no one trusts Tim, and the whole series of Books of Magic is about Timothy Hunter as a uh, growing up, and everyone under the sun goes into the thinking that now Timothy Hunter is going to turn evil. We all know this. It's just a question of should we stop him? That's been or a can story. Change him. That's been a story for so long. You know, I think that it's been going on for how many years since? Thinking about 93? it now, I mean, that he, could potentially scare Clarice. Maybe that's what she's talking about. I can't. You're not wrong, and I actually, I actually agree with you. It could potentially be Tim. Maybe even. He's not aware of what he's doing. Maybe he's doing something. Maybe his actions uh, creates a byproduct of, I don't know, like a tulpa or I'm not saying a tulpa, but let's just say that sounds horrible. But let's just say whatever he is doing could be unintentional. Could be unintentional. So it'll be interesting to see it, see how it all unfolds, because you are right. I mean, Spurrier, I don't think he just put a bunch of random Constantine stories together threw it in a hat and said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pull this one out. And then coincidentally, <laughs> it was the moment John Constantine died during the books of magic run, the four yes. part series. There has to be a very specific reason. Yes. It was a nice little spot to kind of say, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to take that moment and connect it. Yeah. It works thematically, but from a story perspective, there's gotta be a reason why out of all the Constantine stories, why did he choose that one? Why did he choose that one? Yeah, you are right. It, it could very well be connected to Tim Hunter. And I mean, there, the, that's why I said there's so many other 
threats. They're viable threats that than old man Constantine, because I believe you're right. Old man Constantine is too on the nose and old man Constantine seems just to be out for himself. He's not out to destroy things. He's, he wants to win this game. You know, he doesn't want to destroy the game. <laughs> he wants to win the game. So is he a threat? Yes. But is he the big bad? I don't think that that's the thing that's scaring Clarice. Now, that's why I was like thinking to myself and the first person, the first name that popped in my head was Tim, because if you think about it, Tim's the only thing in all of Vertigo that would scare the Phantom Stranger, Constantine, Dr. Occult, and basically the, the all of the trench, trench coat brigade. They they're terrified of what Tim can become. If that doesn't, if that's not like a big threat, I don't know what is. I wasn't up to date on the the mid two thousands run of Books of Magic. A little behind. It's on my reading list. It's just so much to catch up on. Was it mid two thousands or late nineties? I can't remember. Remember we were talking about it the other day about oh, yeah. covering them because um, Books of Magic is kind of like one of those reads where it gets underlooked because people automatically look at it and says, "Oh, overlooked," and basically people say oh it's just dc's attempt at harry potter oh, please and it's like no it's so much more than that yeah maybe we should look into those and i know we have a books of magic conversation or discussion planned in the yeah. near future but maybe we can just throw all those on there and that gives me an excuse to just sit down and read especially during this quarantine <laughs> you're stuck actually having to read something yeah so spurrier is definitely sticking to his guns and you had mentioned this at the beginning of the show, keeping Constantine relatively isolated, even though we saw a familiar face this week, Sackville, Spurrier ensured that they were removed, like Map being killed and Sackville living in the U.S. Yep. And I do agree with this maneuver because it was one of the elements that I loved about the concept for the new Hellblazer title. And even though I was I was gleeful a bit. You know, it was a little like, oh, Sackville. Yes. Part of me was also like, no, because I like this new concept. I like that we're stripping away all of his comforts. Yes. And we're getting back to the basics. A man alone. One man against the world, essentially. I love it. I love that setup. And I feel like it's too soon to start introducing new faces. But if we see them or old faces, if we see them like we did in this issue, and it's sparing and it's used sparingly. That's fine. But I think we need to wait until like issue 24, 25 before we start bringing back those ongoing faces, those the old familiar faces old and familiar faces. And listen, the fan in me is like, no, give me them. Give me them. I need them. But the critic in me. Who reviews and dissects things I'm like, well, this is one of the strengths with this new series mm -hmm. is that he is alone. And he's forced to make new friends, new bonds. Be different. The better version of you. Don't fuck up. Don't make the same bad decisions. <laughs> so I'm glad he's sticking to his guns. And this was a fun way to kind of give the fans, you know, a moment where we get to see his former allies. And then, hey, now they're gone. Now they're gone. There's yeah. He can't call on them anymore. He can't basically come up with the... The Rolodex. The Rolodex, yeah. So that, you know, that 90s reference, a Rolodex. I'm sure the kids are like, oh, what's the f what's a Rolodex? 
would it be his uh just, uh planner just google it <laughs> just google it <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about Clarice Sackville for those new readers out there, because I'm sure there are many out there that could be listening to this broadcast. She originally had her debut. Her first appearance was in Hellblazer issue 134 back in 1999. So I was right. And her last appearance within the regular Hellblazer vertigo timeline or continuity, whatever you want to call it, was issue 247 in 2008. Now, those new 52 fans out there also might be familiar with her because she was introduced in the 2016 The Hellblazer title that was part of DC Rebirth. And she was, um, she guest starred in Hellblazer number two in 2016 for one issue. And she was a lot more attractive (laughs) because that's, that's DC Rebirth. That's DC Rebirth. That's the new 52. That's the standard DC label, right? And and the DC 52 version, I'd rather take, because at least when she says that she's 200 years old, at least she looks good for 200 years old. Yeah. Yeah, this one's a hag, right? Oh, yeah. The original Clarice, I mean, appeared as a 70-year-old woman. Yeah, according to the wiki here, Clarice Sackville is an elderly magician of considerable power, a high-ranking member of the Tate Club, and an ally and former lover of John Constantine. Yep. Well, the lover can be very, very... He had sex. (laughs) I wouldn't really say they were lovers, right? Maybe not willingly. I mean... (laughs) I don't remember the storyline. Was he raped or something? (laughs) Clarice is one of those uh, one of those characters that basically would use a love spell. So rape. <laughs> is it is it truly rape, Mike? Eh, it- <laughs> well, if you use some type of drug or Magic. potion, <laughs> you know, listen, a um you can call it what you want. A roofie is still so a roofie. Do you want to call a date rape drug? <laughs> a date rape drug? Do you want to call it magic? Listen, Your Honor, it was a magic potion. I swear I did not drug her. It was just a love potion. (laughs) And then she fell asleep. And the only way I could wake her up was love's true kiss. And then a penis. (laughs) Or or in in Clarice's part, her pussy. Oh, don't say that. So although her exact age has never been given, Clarice has consistently been portrayed as an elderly woman appearing to be 60 and 70 years old and is actually over 200. She was present at both the founding and the bicentennial of the Tate Club. She speaks with a refined, perhaps theatrically so, upper class English accent. She is consistently portrayed as being physically frail and vulnerable to physical attack. In Hellblazer issue 202, a magical assassination attempt by one of John Constantine's demonic children caused her to collapse. Now, Map, the other ally that they had mentioned, he was born Ken on date. Is that how you say his last name for sure? Have we ever heard it in any? We haven't really heard his name aloud, have we? Map? No. He's always been called Map. Yeah, so he was born Ken on date. He is a supremely powerful magician who could have been king of the Magi, but instead elected to live a quiet life clearing up rail lines on the London Underground. Yep. 
He first appeared in Hellblazer issue 135, and his last appearance was Hellblazer 238. Map is a middle-aged black man of average build, although he's sometimes portrayed as being rather slimmer, with short hair and sometimes a mustache and soul patch. Oh, that's Pim. He also has the ability to move his physical form into another plane accessible by reflections. In these instances, only his face is visible in the reflection. Yeah, it was nice to dig into that Hellblazer bag of goodies, right? Oh, yeah. Bringing these characters back was really cool. As I said, it was a little bittersweet knowing that they killed Map off screen. But you never know. We may see it. We may see it, but like uh, I also understand that basically it's supposed to emphasize that John's missed a lot of things. That's why finding out one of his, one of his, another of his friends just passed away while he was gone. He wasn't there to see it. It's supposed to add that more emotion to John that he's like going, I gotta be a better person than I was because look, all my friends are gone now. Yeah. We'll see, right? It'll be cool. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. The art is growing on me. Uh, I know I in the last issue, I wasn't hating on it, so I don't want anyone thinking I was I was against it. Matias Bergara is more than capable. He has a great look to his his art. But we were just really up on Aaron Campbell for those first three issues. And now Campbell returns, I believe, in the next issue. If we even get a next issue because of this quarantine uh, that's true so so Bergara definitely did a great job it's growing on me I think my favorite page in the entire issue was page nine and it was when Constantine finally got his head out of his ass and he dispatched the shit gnome, <laughs> shit gnome. and that page was just so well crafted you saw him sending the gnome down into the ground did he send him to hell is that what he did yeah Okay, that's what I had thought. Um, and you see, it's like almost like a puzzle, like a like a jagged puzzle that opens up in the ground, and then you see the reflection of the the shit gnome going into the ground and constantly <laughs> just walking away. Wait. It's a really creative panel. I stared at that panel for a good, I don't know, five minutes because there's a lot going going on in there. It's, I don't know if the artist was trying to say something as well. And I really want to spend time here or be or bore people to death. But it seemed like there was also, you know, a message within the art as well. It seemed it was really cool. So oh, it was really cool because when that moment suddenly John is himself again. He's showing his yeah. his, his uh, prowess. Yeah, he's got his confidence back. He's on the top of the panel. Everything else is below him. It's really good. I think honest. My favorite. My favorite panel is. Toward the end, when he bestows the the uh, magical blessing onto Tommy, and basically tells him, you know, instead of telling the honest to God truth, Constantine basically just feeds into the lie and basically just tells Tommy, "No, you deserve this blessing. You know, God be praised and everything else." And he's standing there with this in the page he's standing holding the wand pointing putting it to Tommy's head and there's a cross behind him <laughs> and i'm like going the way that it's drawn and the way that john is drawn it looks very grandiose and then you get to john's face and he's just like god damn it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good it's good so overall 
Simon Spurrier continues to impress me. He can write the hell out of an issue, and it's amazing what can come out of just one issue. A few choice panels brings out the context and ties this issue into the bigger narrative. Amazing. You had this issue probably, I want to say a good 75% of it was more humor based, you know, kind of laying down the groundwork for Constantine's relationship with Willow Tree. We needed those moments. But then just those three or four pages with Sackville just brings everything together. And it didn't feel rushed because other writers for comic books do the same thing. Except a lot of their 75% is just filler. Not a lot going on. Yeah. And then they give you three or four pages of actual story and nothing really moves forward. Nothing really progresses. But Spurrier, man, he he just... There's a way he writes and it conveys so much story in just a few pages. Oh, yeah. And his his ability to work with two artists with these last issues and still visually get the characters to emote what his script, what he writes is amazing. I mean, nothing is wasted down to the very last page of this issue. Exactly. Yeah. You get the, you, you now we we're getting us, we're getting another, another piece of the puzzle when it comes to the mystery of old man Constantine. And it's simply through his actions. And then like, even the response of Barry while he's quote unquote being transformed tells a story in itself. And you know, that Spurrier is doing absolutely everything to make sure nothing is wasted. There's no action. There's no response. There's no wasted movement in his, in his writing and in his comic. And the, the fact that he's been able to show that he could do it with two separate artists just speaks volumes on his part as the creative, I guess you could say the the driving force behind the this series. I'm really happy that Spurrier, I hope that Spurrier has a very long, lengthy run in, in, in Constantine for a while. A very lengthy and girthy run. <laughs> That's what we want. Because you got to fill us up. Yeah. We, all walls. All <laughs> walls completely. So my RMD score... 98%. That's right, Dave. 98. Go ahead. Final uh, thoughts and your percent. Final thoughts. I think we hit it. Uh, I think we hit all the right, right notes. I have to agree with you. I'm going to go on 98 on this as well. It's a really great end to a short two-parter, but for a two-parter, it has so much going on and it still kept itself grounded and, centered around the story of John Constantine, the character himself. Because since issue zero, the whole story of John becoming a better person is such an intriguing story because essentially what we're saying, what Spurrier has to do is show that the Constantine that we know is a broken person. We're now trying to build a better version of him. And for a lot of Constantine fans, that might be a hard pill to swallow, but and within like five issues, Spurrier's done a heck of a job for me as a Constantine fan to get behind this character now. Yeah. So 98% for both of us. Yeah. Nice. 
All right, Dave. Well, this does conclude our discussion on Hellblazer, John Constantine Hellblazer, issue five, Scrubbing Up, part two. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. And please leave us reviews on Stitcher and iTunes. Give us a thumbs up. We are available pretty much wherever you listen to your podcasts. Help us out. Thank you, David. Thank you. And later. No shite demons. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks, and spit on them when they're down, leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I'll walk my path alone, because let's be honest. Who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?